this week's episode. Despite my post-Thanksgiving sickness crud, we're covering some excellent and thought-provoking books from a very big week of comics. Forgive my sultry tones, but it's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover B. Welcome back to Cover B. I hope everyone had a wonderful holiday. We missed you. Yes, and I want to apologize right now because I sound... Like I'm distant and far away <laughs> because I'm sick. <laughs> T is illin. I I am like Ill-in, a villain, but not chillin. Just yeah, illin. Not chillin just, yeah. <laughs> it's it's not great. I apologize, though. I do sound a little sultry today. Yeah, Maybe I can the... Phoebe buffet this a little bit. <laughs> go down in the little register. Oh, lovely. Yeah, it wouldn't be the holidays if T didn't get sick. So it's true. It's my whole thing. It's my shtick. Here we are. So good. Hey, you guys benefit because I won't have my high-pitched cackle today. It is true. We got to try not to make her laugh, so I need to be less hilarious than It's true. Anyway, we had a big week of comics. We're going to talk about a few, and then we're going to put the others on our honorable mention, but definitely get out to the comic shops this week. Huge week for comics. Some really, really cool stuff. First up, from DC, we want to talk about a new black label from them. Uh, This is Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazon's number one. Uh, this is going to be a quarterly, I believe. I think the next one's coming out like in February or sometime in 2022. Uh, this was written by Kelly Sue DeConnick with art by Phil Jimenez. Uh, this is effectively uh, pitched as a retelling of the origin of the Amazons. It's giving you the full truth or the full story or at least the Amazon story of how they came to be. Uh, so it's very wrapped in mythology. Uh, it follows all the goddesses as they kick off this amazonian culture by starting their own tribes of amazons and it's absolutely beautiful i don't know about anybody else out there but i've been excited about this from from day one of announcement uh and of course like many of the black labels it's a big magazine so you get big chunks of full delicious art uh and it's just a cool book all around t what were your thoughts this book is spectacular Mm -hmm. oh my gosh it's so i you know there's not enough love given to the Amazons. Like mm-hmm. they don't, they don't get as much representation. They're always in context of Wonder Woman, and in a lot of circumstance, Wonder Woman is in context of what she can give to mankind, which she can give to the other men on the Justice League. Like there, there's not enough representation of the Amazons as an isolated, independent group. Um, it's, it's always in context of Diana, which I guess makes sense because, you know, she's Wonder Woman and the Amazons exist because of her technically, but this is so cool and beautiful and liberating and like, yeah, fist pumping and like, you just, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so awesome. And I, I gotta say, I love Greek mythology. Like that's, that's a big one for me. Like I have always been a big Greek mythology fan. I read Lore Olympus. Shout out to all my core fans out there. Like it's, I, I love when people take Greek mythology and do something fun and interesting and playful with it. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is. This is taking like a really logical and, and reasonable argument of how Greek goddesses would feel about the mistreatment of women. And it's, it's almost one of those things as I was reading it, I was like, why haven't we had this before? 
where is this? Where has this been? This is perfect. This is this is right. This makes sense. This is good. And it I don't know. I'm so excited about this book. It's beautiful and it's smart and it's honestly kind of revolutionary in my opinion. I, I think mm-hmm. this is fantastic. It's a crazy good book. It's a it's a really it's really a modern mythology. It's it's you know, taking from mythology as much as it is creating its own and making it both work in the DC universe and how the DC universe understands these things, as well as work in our universe and how our universe's mythology understands these things. So it's it's just a fun, like you said, it's a fun, playful look at mythology and retelling and reorganizing mythology in a way that is more uh, friendly to women or more empowering of the women involved. It's heckin' empowering. You know, and <laughs> it's they make a good point in that where they, you know, it's actually Zeus that makes the point where, you know, Ares is the god of war and Poseidon is the god of the sea and Hermes is the god of thieves and Apollo is the god of the sun. So all the male gods are these, like, really aggressive and, like, so he's it's Zeus actively saying, like, what do you want? Men are going to be aggressive. Look at all these gods. They're all gods of aggressive shit. Like, what, what do you expect? Look at their representation. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's, you know, very much it's Kelly Sue Dukonic is always going to have. A women forward women's studies focus in her book so it's understandable that this book is not going to appeal to everybody my message to the people that this doesn't appeal to is it should it's these kind of takes on things should appeal to you absolutely they're a very real thing and it's very like lie to yourself all you want and say that you know we don't need to think about women as unequal any unequal anymore you're lying to yourself (laughs) it's we do look at things that are happening right now as we're recording this roe v wade is being challenged anyway not to get too political but broaden your horizons if you look at this and you get into it and you're like you know you're a male reader and you're like wow you know he's talking a lot about how women get abused they do and you should (laughs) understand you need to come to a level of understanding exactly if Um, if these stories are finally being told and this depiction of women is finally coming into your radar it's because you haven't been listening yeah and it's you know i think this is a fun scope to send that message because everyone loves greek mythology everyone Mm -hmm. understands greek mythology even if you don't know all the like nitpicky really like intricate stories even if you don't know a ton of stories you can if you ask some random dude on the street hey who's zeus excuse me lady who's hermes excuse me guy who's hades they're gonna know these people and so forming a discussion of uh the enduring history of women and women dealing with aggression and you know being subjugated and being put down and put aside in the guise of an expansive epic myth all around characters that you know 
ultimately forming into characters that that's what they stand for is empowerment. Yeah. Uh, is a great way to do it. It's, it's a it's great, brilliant. the opening of this book is a powerful opening and it, it lets you know what sort of message it's going to be giving. And then it just, it frames it so well. And within this shell of this beautiful art by Phil Jimenez, it's just, it's amazing. It's, this is one of the coolest books DC has put out in a long oh, time. Oh, hands down. Like it's, hands this down. is easily one of my favorites. When they come out with a hardcover for this, I'm going to get it. They come out with a soft cover, I'm going to get it. If they come out <laughs> with a friggin' special edition years later, I'm going to get it. Like, this is one of the classics. This is a good one. This is a so, this is a game changer. Definitely, definitely, definitely pick this up. <laughs> Next up, uh, from a little known writer named Mark Millar. <laughs> uh, Who's that? I know, right? With art by Matteo Scalera, this is King of Spies number one. King of Spies opens with a very violent James Bond-esque character doing very violent and sexy James Bond-esque things for a queen and country. We then flash forward to the future where this man, this super spy, the King of Spies, as you were, uh, is now an old man and is facing his current life of being a consultant in various security divisions of the government uh basically a forced retirement or being chained to a desk as he kind of sees it he's still trying to live what element of his lavish elegant sexual life that he can but all under you know being slower and older and more tired than he used to be uh he eventually has a coming to god moment of where his services will best be uh best be rendered uh, and makes a big, impactful decision for what the future of this old man's life is going to be. T. Thoughts? This book is doing what I have been arguing James Bond book movies should have been doing for a long time. Um, to me, we are no longer in a world where a James Bond character, as it currently exists, makes a ton of sense. Um, you know... For a long time, it's been a white guy with a ton of money and cool gadgets running around, not having to abide by any dictation of law, killing bad guys and hypersexualizing women. And like, there's a lot of people who like that and that's super cool, but it feels real dated in today's day and age, in my opinion. And what this book does is it takes that character who's been doing that for so long and then it has them go, wow, I'm actually going to look at the social, economic, political climate and go, huh, maybe I am a cog in the system. Maybe I should be better than that and do good things instead and make a stand and use my violence for the betterment of mankind instead of just getting more money and more B-words. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I I don't know. I just really appreciate it because, you know, there's two ways you can go with James Bond to evolve it. You can either change the character, maybe bring in, you know, a person of color, maybe change the motivation, maybe change, you know, the villains that they're fighting. Do it that way. Or you just put... James Bond in a proper modern social political economic situation 
and in world and then have him deal with it Mm -hmm. and change accordingly. And that's what this does. And I think that's brilliant. I I was very like, admittedly, I started reading this book and I was like, this is not my type of book. I am so confused as to why I'm reading right now Mm. like i'm halfway through and i was like what is the point of me reading this book this is not my style yeah and then it like there's just like a click right in about the like third act and you're like oh this is my type of book yeah (laughs) and i i respect the hell out of it it's this had this book had twofold two really good qualities for me um mark millar has done a lot of stuff and while he does have an occasional one that focuses on getting older the concept of death like one that comes to mind is rebirth or reborn um many of his books tend to fall into the same thing which is a younger generation being honed to take over for an older generation you see it in kick-ass you see it in Magic Order. Kingsman. You see it in Kingsman. You see it in Wanted. Like, there's this, in a lot of these books, there's this idea of some younger person or younger people being brought in anew to this organization that's, like, established and then taking over. And there was a point in this book where they talk about uh, this guy's son where I was like, hmm, hmm. Are they going to do that? Is this going to... It's. I'm going to flip to the next page and it's going to be like, I'm the little king. I'm... Oh, I'm such a scamp. Look <laughs> at me. Oh, no. My dad's a super spy. What? Um, and it's possible the son, and I think he also has a daughter, they might come into play eventually. Uh, but it did not go that route. We're going to stay focused on this man. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's great. I think that's really cool. It's a nice change of form. This book was really set out to be another formulaic Mark Millar book. Yeah. And he's changing it a little bit. And I like that. Uh, Secondly, I like T said, I like that it's a more realistic look at what a modernized James Bond that was bold enough to go there would be. Yeah. You know, a lot of the modern James Bond that we're getting is like, you know, James Bond going after this evil industrialist. And it's like. That's cool, but we always kind of other the industrialist. It's yeah. like, he's an evil industrialist from Romania, and he's got a weird face, you know? <laughs> and it's like, or something. It's like, he's an evil industrialist from South America, and he's eccentric. And it's like, okay, fine. You know, and that's James Bond's even, not just modern... James Bond, but even going all the way back to like the 60s, 70s and the origins of James Bond. But, you know, it was always like, oh, I've got to stop this evil industrialist who's somehow not also involved in my economy and government. Whereas, as the world has been awakening slowly more and more to, and I'll go ahead and say, hey there, people out there. I didn't realize this was going to be a really political (laughs) recording when I got into it. (laughs) Sorry if that bothers you. (laughs) Um, Depending on how it bothers you. (laughs) It bothers you in a certain way. (laughs) Good. Um, (laughs) My bad. (laughs) 
anyway, um, you know, as the world is becoming more and more aware, the evil industrialists might just be the industrialists. They might just be the ones, you know, living amongst us, you know, not to call out any country. names. <laughs> not to call out any names, but it rhymes with Schmeffri Schmezos. Um <laughs> Smevon Smusk? Yeah. Smil Smates. Uh, <laughs> the Smize from Smoogle. You know, that <laughs> for some hints um and so this you know this book is taking that james bond trope character aging him up and making him live in a very realistic very approachable modern world and what he would with his skills and abilities and connections and drive and kind of loss of hope because there seems to be something wrong with him what where would he focus all that and, you know, he's living this rich, elite life, which is going to put him in contact with these very money-grubby, kind of corrupt people. Um, and that tends, seems to be what takes his focus. So uh, I, I like that idea. I like the idea of, you know, a for the queen and country and the, thus being for the country, being also for the people type of person would look with would, would despise people that are willing to exploit people and abuse people in the name of capitalism and money and the bottom dollar and stuff like that granted he takes a very extreme approach but and that's where we'll end our discussion <laughs> It's an entertaining book. I really like the direction this is going, and I think Mark Millar's got a really good idea with this one. You can see that it takes a lot of uh, a lot of its inspiration from other things that he's done, you know, namely Kingsman, and in a way, Kick Ass and things like that. With a Millar book, you're gonna have a bunch of ultra violence and you know, hyper machismo and stuff like that, but it it. It works and it's fun and I like this character. I don't normally like James Bond characters, even James Bond tropey characters, which is why books for me that are, you know, a deconstruction of James Bond usually do better for me when they're deconstructing James Bond as someone you're not supposed to like. Flashback to Garth Ennis's Jimmy's Bastards is a great series that makes James Bond an absolute douchebag. Um, but... This one, we are supposed to like this character, at least to some degree, uh, and I get behind that. I it, support it. It feels in tone and in in um, comparison to um, some of the Tom King character pieces, in my opinion, mm -hmm. where like you're supposed <clears throat> to care about them, but also supposed to acknowledge their flaws. Yeah. Like, you're supposed to see them we, for what they are. We are going to watch this person struggle. And you're not necessarily supposed to want them to struggle, but you're going to want them to have to go through some shit in order to get to where you want them to be. And I think that's a good, that's a great take on this, is that this is very much like how Tom King does his, you know, his Mr. Miracles and his human targets uh, and his Adam Stranges uh, in that he, like T said, like 
you're supposed to root for them. At times, you might not like them, but you're supposed to want them to grow all the same. And that's a very familial connection to a character. It's it's very much how, you know, any toxic relative you have, you probably feel the same way. You don't necessarily like them at the time, but you really hope that at some point you'll get to a point where you can. Uh, so it's a great way of developing a character for a story. As opposed to just being like, he's James Bond. Look, he shoots people. Yay, move on. You know. Pew, pew. Yeah. Finally... We're going to talk about a book called Animal Castle. <laughs> Keep it together, T. This was written by uh, Xavier Dorison with art by Felix Dilip. Apologies if pronunciation was off. Uh, this is a take on George Orwell's Animal Farm. Obviously, being Animal Castle. So it's going to have a more rigorous, monarchical look at uh, the tyranny of Animal Farm. Uh, we follow a female cat who is just trying to look out for her kittens. She has two adorable little kitties. The system of this world seems, seems to be a communism-esque type uh, egalitarian system wherein everybody has to provide a certain amount of work. Everybody then gets a certain amount of state-funded pay for the work that they do Everybody shares in the food. All the food is kept and distributed by the state um, in which you pay your certain your buttons is their economy. Uh, you pay out of a dowry or an account uh, whatever buttons you have for food and everything runs smoothly. Different animals have different jobs. Some are some are masons. Some are farmers. You know, the sheep are giving up their own wool and stuff like that. It's pseudo anthropomorphic like they're still very much animals it's not to the extent of like a robin hood or something like that uh but they seem to have a bit more sentience very much similar to the animals in animal farm if we were to look at stray dogs as a don bluth-esque animated movie a fievel goes west kind of dealy this is like the watership down to that <laughs> Just to give you perspective, this is not an easy read, especially if you don't like a animals getting murdered or you feel a certain particular way about government things. Uh, but, T, thoughts? Oh, God. This was so hard for me to read. Like, it's very well done. Don't get me wrong. It, it feels, I was going to say, you know, from an appearance-wise and from the way that people kind of speak and the way that it's handled, it does sort of feel like... Animal Farm in the Robin Hood from Disney type of type of vibe. Like you cross those two and that's what you get. Um, the Watership Down is a good reference. Um, ugh, painful. Um, I really like I liked this. It's like it's like when you like something that brings you pain. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. It's like it's like when you watch the Green Mile, like. You're not happy you're watching it. You don't feel good when you're doing it. No, no, no. But you acknowledge the quality of it. Um, it is it is painful. Like, and it's one of those things that I like, I feel like I'm reading it because I want there to be a positive, happy end. But I don't know if that's possible. Like, I kind of feel like I'm going into this very, like, 
resigned for the worst case scenario. <laughs> Listen, man, if you go into a book and you're like, I think this was based on Orwell, I hope it has a happy ending. You're setting yourself up for failure. <laughs> hey, man, my favorite Orwell is down and out in Paris and London. <laughs> Yeah. I have certain expectations right. of my life. All right. All right. <laughs> Screw your 1984s. Fool. I like when he's laughing about drinking with the dishwasher. Okay. So leave me alone. But um, no, it's, it's really well done. It's just, it's hard. It's a hard one. It's, it's brutal and mm. it's gruesome and it's, violent and it's oh it's it's it is not for the faint of heart it's beautiful like it's a beautiful book but it's also very ugly yeah you know at its core it's a story about a tyrannical government abusing its people and strengthening its control uh and those people not taking kindly to it and rising up so you know, as you would expect from stories like that, people are going to get injured and maimed and die. There will be violence. There will be uh, anger and hatred and fighting. But in this case, it's animals. So, you know, adorable little duckies and geeses doing these kind of things. If that doesn't appeal to you, trigger warning. However, I think it's a really good take on animal farm does it do a lot to make itself unique not really yet aside from making the stakes a little bit larger and i think increasing the it's been a while since i've read animal farm but increasing the gap between the leading animal and the peasants as it were which in animal farm it was a pig right in this one i think it's a bull is the is the leading animal I'm not sure. I think it was a pig. It was a pig pigs are in smart. Animal Farm. Um, you know, the, in, in Animal Farm, we got, a, got to kind of see the rise of this pig to power. And it was still very much like he was in the muck, pun intended, as everyone else. Like, he still kind of, before, until he eventually moved into the house, he still kind of existed with everybody else. Yeah. Um, in this, we've already got the pig in the house, as it were. Which sounds like a euphemism, and I wish I didn't say it. Um, <laughs> we don't see the president in this one, but we do see a recurring image of a bull on covers for the first issue and covers for the second issue. Uh, so I think the bull is the president. Um, but the president just kind of sits in his high tower and does nothing. So there's a bigger space between the common animals and the, the leading animal. Uh, in this one. And that's really the main difference that's happened aside from also giving it more of a central character focus, as opposed to talking about all the animals and also increasing the population of animals. There's a lot more animals in this than there were in animal farm. Uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. I think if it, I think obviously in today's climate, there's a lot of political statements that could be made. You're now about 30 minutes into this, uh, into this episode so you're aware that there are political statements that can be made um and so i'd, I'd like to see where the author takes this i think there's yeah. cool things that can be done i hope this isn't just kind of a 
reimagined Animal Farm and it's going to progress through the same messages and stuff, which, to be fair, are still, still messages relevant. worth having. But uh, I, I think it would be cool to if it deviates more from the Animal Farm formula a bit. Uh, but otherwise, it's really cool. And it's it's the art is really good. Like I said, it does feel like an animated film. You can tell they adopted, just like Stray Dogs did, they adopted a lot of their, like, faces and emotions. I mean, and... the kitties look straight out of the Aristocats. Yeah. And things They're like so that from, cute. you know, Disney and Don Bluth and those kind of animated films. Uh, so, when we talked about Stray Dogs, I said I hope more things happen like that. And it looks like they are, so I'm excited. So, high five me. I get what I want. <laughs> um... <laughs> But yeah, this is a dark book. It's going to be a dark book. But it's worth a read. It's it's a nice, you know, pleasantly, subtly intellectual piece. And I, I, I like it. I'm, I'm here for this one. So It's cool. But it's hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Animal gonna die. They gonna die. How are you gonna lead with kitties? <laughs> so mean. I thought she was gonna be a ferret. Because on the cover, she looks like a ferret. And I was like, that's a weird animal to have in an animal farm. Uh, I knew it was a cat because she looks exactly like the mom from Aristocats. Yeah. And I'm like, no. <laughs> do we have to do cats? Come on. Everybody wants to be a cat. Maybe mm, kitties. <laughs> anyway, that's going to do it for us. Thank yes. you for listening. Uh, if you want more episodes of Cover B, you can find previous episodes that we've done. Uh, as well as blog posts and merchandise and things like that on our website at coverbpodcast.com. Yes, and you can also follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at coverbpodcast. I hope everybody had a great holiday. As always, I have been Chris. This has been T, and you have been listening to Cover, Cover B. B. We'll catch you in the next one. Bye, everybody.